Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Celentano, our business editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. The 2022 Volume 3 issue is available now. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. Well, John, you had a lot of earnings calls this week, and it sounds like you're going to highlight a couple of them, Digital Bridge and Rogers. Is that right? Yep. Yes, Leslie, we are. In fact, the, the, you know, the, the, the wave of, of uh, earnings calls has crested. I, the, this week was quite a bit slower than last week, which has uh, seemed to be chalked wall-to-wall with uh, reports uh, several days in a row from early morning to late in the day. But, um, uh, you know, we've been covering Digital Bridge for some time now. It's an interesting company. And um, really, and we, we covered this in one of our intelligence reports. And we, we, what, I, what we think is one of the prototypical infrastructure companies in as much as it has a mix of infrastructure. It, it, uh, the company operates more as an investor than, a, than an operator. Uh, it has interest in uh, 20 portfolio companies uh, across four global regions, uh, but they have towers, they have data centers, they have fiber, small cells, and edge infrastructure. <clears throat> in aggregate, these uh, infrastructure classes uh, topped uh, 50 billion uh, in, in the third quarter, uh, uh, 50 billion in assets that the company has under management. That's up 33% from um, a year ago. Uh, Digital Bridge earns its money really by um, fees that it garners from these investments um, and um, uh, that it makes either on its own or or with limited partners. And increasingly, it's been um, bringing in outside investment from uh, uh, various uh, limited partner groups to uh, share in the the cost of these investments. But Digital Bridge will will manage that investment and draw fees from it. And um, so their um, annualized, uh, uh, what they call fee-related earnings, doubled to from 16 million in the third, three, third quarter of 21 <clears throat> to um, over 123 million uh, in uh, uh, this past quarter. So, um, it, you know, their their investments are paying off. Um, they do hold um, uh, direct investments on an operating basis with uh, two data center companies, a uh, data bank and Vantage uh, Stabilized Data Centers. Uh, They are lowering their exposure on both of these companies and eventually they're likely to move them into their portfolio of invested uh, interests. But um, uh, they they sold off a chunk of um, a data bank uh, during the year and and are still, uh, uh, you know, enjoying the benefits of the demand that the uh, we're seeing in a data center capacity uh, supported by the 
uh, mobile data uh, demand and, uh, and, and fiber that's needed to connect all of that together. Uh, the company is expecting the growth to continue uh, both organically and through strategic investments. It's uh, put together a large pool for investment purposes with key partners. And uh, management reaffirmed its goals of reaching $100 billion, $100 billion in uh, assets under management and growing its annualized uh, fee revenue and, and uh, fee-related earnings at about a 35% uh, annual rate uh, through 2025. So um, a little bit complex sometimes to understand the company because of its, um, its financial uh, um, intricacies, but it's an interesting company nonetheless. And uh, we continue to watch it, and it, it tends to show up on on transactions where you might not expect, such as the uh, GD Towers acquisition from Deutsche Telekom last year. But uh, they have a really good management team uh, with a really clear picture of where they want to take this, and uh, they're doing well. Uh, the other company that we followed uh, this week was uh, Rogers Communications uh, out of Toronto. Uh, if if you recall, we reported uh, during the summer that Rogers experienced a massive uh, network outage that took out both its uh, cable um, and wireless uh, operations uh, for um, about 18 hours. That was a pretty big deal in Canada and it affected uh, millions of customers across the country. Um, they seem to have recovered from that. Um, the, other, the other aspect of what they've been heavily involved in over, for over a year now is they, they proposed an acquisition of Shaw Communications, a big cable operator in Western Canada, and, and merging the two would give them uh, uh, the biggest uh, stance in terms of cable and wireless operations in the country. That's gotten a lot of pushback from the uh, Canadian Competition Tribunal. It's concerned that uh, such uh, amalgamation of, of uh, big operators like this will reduce the um, com competition in Canada and drive prices up. So they're, they're taking a long time to assess whether uh, this is a good deal or not for Canadian subscribers. So, But uh, nonetheless, Rogers seems to have... Um, have bounced back from uh, from that network outage fiasco that uh, it, that happened in July. They actually reported um, uh, wireless service revenues were up three percent on a year-over-year basis. Uh, adjusted EBIT I was down about one percent, but they noted that both metrics were impacted by about 115 million dollars in credits that the company had to extend and return to wireless and cable customers as a result of the outage. But when you exclude these credits, their service revenues grew 9% and their EBITDA was up 7% year, year over year. So, um, you know, on balance, they see uh, uh, they see gaining market share. Uh, uh, the Canadian market, uh, uh, wireless market is growing. It's competitive. Uh, Rogers believes that uh, it can gain more share by offering customers more choice. It added, uh, year to date, it added uh, nearly half a million new um um, uh, uh, retail subscribers, that's up 137% uh, on an annual basis. Um, and um, they're benefiting from the fact that, um, you know, roaming revenues have gone up as uh, more people are traveling now. Um, the base of uh, both uh, postpaid and prepaid mobile subscribers is growing and uh, an overall increase in market activity. Uh, um, so Canada is benefiting really from increased immigration and there's a a fair population of foreign students and seasonal workers that uh, uh, use the uh, mobile services as well. Um, it is continuing to expand its 5G network. It's deployed uh, uh, 
in the third quarter, a, a, a big chunk of its 3,500 megahertz mid-band spectrum that it got in auction last year. Right now, it says it covers about 35% of the population of Canada using both macro cells and small cells, and it expects to, that, that coverage to ramp uh, through the fourth quarter and into 2023. Um, interestingly, uh, they made a point uh, in responding to a question from an analyst about fixed wireless access. And uh, Rogers management pointed out that unlike its uh, Canadian competitors or its U.S. counterparts, it doesn't really see a big demand for fixed wireless access in its network. It, it pretty much covers all the big markets in Canada today with its cable network, both uh, hybrid fiber coax and fiber to the home. And really, it expects that it, it would use fixed wireless access mainly in rural areas where it doesn't have um, uh, and operate uh, cable. So it um, the company confirmed its outlook for full year uh, 2022. The numbers are, are up uh, mid to high single digits, and um, it expects the, to keep um, to keep the growth going as the um, economic uh, um, uh, environment uh, improves, and um, it, can, it believes it can continue to take market share. And there you have it. Well, thank you, John. That was. Very comprehensive review there. So are we we pretty much done with the uh, quarterly cycles, John? Um, yes, for the most part. There's a couple of um, uh, small companies that are reporting uh, next week, uh, European companies, IHS Towers, that we're kind of keeping an eye on. <clears throat> and um, um, Vodafone also is reporting, and, you know, along with Vantage Towers, so... Uh, yes, for the most part, we're, we're pretty much wound down uh, with all the coverage, and uh, I'm glad it's behind us, to be honest with you, but it's it's always interesting, uh, uh, nonetheless. It's just a lot of work. Um, always get great questions from uh, the, the analysts probing uh, what management is doing, and we had an opportunity, as you wrote up, Jim, uh, you know, DISH is the only company that opens up their Q&A to, uh, to uh, media um, uh to the media, and uh, we had a chance to ask a, a question that uh, um, they they were able to respond to. If not on the call, they they did follow through. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's always interesting to see how these uh, these earnings call seasons play out. Yeah, we encourage any other of the major corporations out there who have these quarterly calls to uh, allow us in on that. Uh, like I said, Dish is the only one that's uh, letting the media do that. Otherwise, it's just market analysts who are invited to the party. And uh, we, we uh, definitely celebrated uh, DISH by to, by saying that they're one of the few, if not the only one, that that's actually will take calls from someone who's uh, not on Wall Street. So kudos kudos to them and uh, glad we got some response out of it. You know, you know, we always ask interesting questions anyways, Jim. So, you know, it's a, a little bit of a foil to the analyst guys who are always looking for the numbers. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're looking at it from a very specific perspective. And I, I think uh, we can, as I said in, the, in, in my article, that we can provide, we can expand on that. We can provide a little more color than, than uh, what, uh, what just the Wall Street guys are bringing. So, uh, there's a thought for all you CEOs out there. But, uh, be happy to be happy to attend your your next uh, your next uh, conference. So switching to uh, Congress, 
control of both chambers remained up for grabs as we were recording this on Friday uh, following the midterm elections. The Senate results still remain unfinalized in Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia. Uh, Republicans needed uh, a, needed to win two of those three to claim a majority. And the Georgia Senate race is supposed to go to a runoff on December 6th. And on the Senate Commerce Committee, uh, Senator uh, incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire, she, these are all Democrats, she prevailed in her reelection con uh, contest. So too did incumbents Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, Tammy Duckworth of Illinois, and Brian Schatz of Hawaii. The committee is evenly split right now, 14-14. Neither the committee chair, Maria Cantwell, Democrat of Washington, nor ranking member Roger Wicker, Republican of Mississippi, were up for re-election. Interesting in Georgia, though, the, the state that's going to have the runoff, neither the Democratic incumbent, Raphael Warnock, who's a committee member, nor his Republican challenger, Herschel Walker, showed signs of pulling too far ahead. And that's why it's going into a runoff. For the Republicans on the committee who were up for re-election, incumbents John Thune was re-elected, as was Jerry Moran of Kansas and Todd Young of Indiana. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin won for his re-election race, as did Mike Lee of Utah. And right now I'm still tallying what's going on in the House Commerce Committee. So Jim, that brings us to you. We're recording this on Veterans Day, and I think you had something to say about that. Uh, yes, I mean, outside of thank you for your service, I, I, I hope they never get tired of hearing of that uh, because we're, we're we're always saying it, and I'm, I'm always hearing people say it. So that's that's good that we we thank them for that. Um, uh, we've gotten to know uh, Kevin Kennedy uh, pretty well. Uh, of Warriors for Wireless, and uh, I think the, the industry at large uh, knows Kevin very well. Kevin's retired Major General of the U.S. Air Force and uh, began Warriors for Wireless to uh, help veterans uh, in, to get into the uh, wireless infrastructure field and started fairly narrowly with, with just sort of tower climbing um, uh, uh, connections and classes and, and uh, uh, assistance and has over the years uh, really expanded that to uh, a much broader kind of a focus on what kind of talents are being brought to the fore by veterans, certainly technical talents um, uh, and obviously people who are Know, physically capable of, of doing the job and following orders and, and uh, uh, making a plan. So um, taking all those great assets that veterans bring to the table, uh, you know, Kevin uh, gets gets all the credit for, for channeling that into a uh, uh, helping the, the wireless workforce to uh, develop and at the same time um, paying back to those, those people that have uh, put themselves on the line for for us and for our freedom so um on friday uh kevin had written a a, a 
an article for us, and uh, it was very inspiring. And so we th we thank him for that, and, and again thank uh, thank all the veterans out there. You know, he, Kevin does great work, and that whole organization is is doing a real service to the industry. He's, you know, they're they're at a run rate of about five hundred placements a year right now, and they, and they want to double that over the next couple of years. So. Uh, there's a, as you pointed out, Jim. There's a lot of talent that comes out of our our services, uh, technical and uh, and organizational talent that uh, I think the wireless industry can really benefit by if we can attract more uh, more veterans to to the the various jobs that are available. It, it seems like a really good really good fit, and uh, Kevin has uh, proved proved that to be true. So uh, continued uh, continued success and and good work in that in that field. All right. Well, that looks to be a wrap. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. If you want a complete rundown of the week's news, check out our Saturday edition. We're taking a little holiday break. We'll see you back in early December. Thank you very much Thank for listening. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.